ready? Yes, I am. One, two, three. Welcome to Happy Hour, a work, culture, and lifestyle show. We're your hosts, Penny Blackmore and Brittany Bowering. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe as this helps others to find us. Yahoo! Da 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 da! Guys, we're recording remotely today. So. Yes. We're putting uh, Penny, Penny and my tech skills to the test, <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Um, I think we're doing great. So I've far, got headphones it's going on. really good. Yeah. Yeah. So in case you didn't know, Berlin's in its second lockdown, but it's, as the politicians keep saying, it's a lockdown light. A light. As if it's a delicious snack with less fat. Less calories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're being careful, but it seemed like, you know, they're closing down all restaurants and cafes and bars, but shops and everything remain open and they have kind of restrictions on, you know, the amount of people that you should be, you know, socializing with. Yeah. And Penny is one too many of those people, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm four in one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. So how are you doing, Penny? I'm great. Uh, I feel like the world's got a new president. <laughs> do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Is that wrong? No, that, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, an American friend was asking me the other day um, why, like, she was just like, so I'm just interested, like, from an international perspective, why are so many other countries interested? And I was like, oh, okay. So... I, I'm going to explain that. I've been thinking I'm going to explain that on the podcast. Mm. So number one, America is the richest country in the world and the most powerful country in the world geopolitically. So Are they the richest though? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I okay. think so. Let me, have, let me quickly look that up. But they're the most powerful for sure. Yeah, I would say um, power-wise definitely. Um, but I would have thought like Saudi Arabia or something would have been the richest. That's interesting actually. Let me look. Qatar. Yeah. Okay. I was wrong. I think it's per capita, but um, in terms of power, they're the richest. Uh, sorry. Most powerful. Sorry. It's 8.30 in the morning on a Monday. So <laughs> <laughs> We might say um, some things that don't make any sense. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think what happens is like um, uh, the US has a lot of influence over the rest of the world and it kind of gives them permission to like gives other leaders permission to behave badly um, and follow their lead. Um, if if they're not doing the right thing. So, yeah, and also Australia is just like a mini America. It's um, It very much follows the lead of the US and, yeah. So, I mean, like there's so many reasons why it's important, but, um, yeah, think- and also finally climate tra- change. Sorry, like if, yeah. if the US isn't doing the right thing with climate change, then we're all pretty, we're going to be fucked. So Absolutely. I mean, they have, there's so many friggin' people in that country. I mean, if you think about it, the, the U.S. has influenced the entire world for a very, very long time mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. even just like media and entertainment and just everything revolves around the U.S. It's this like, um, you know, even like here in Germany, when you, when you speak to um, people who grew up here, like the U.S. is this like very special place where yeah. it's like yeah. everyone wants to travel there and visit and like, you know, see all these things that they grew up basically watching, you know? So it's this, yeah. it's fascinating actually. And also there's just so much, um, I think the reason that a lot of people care is that uh, about this election specifically, because I would say way more people cared about this election than any election before, or at least in my, oh, in my lifetime. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, except maybe Obama. But this was much yeah, but more this passionate. Was, this was more passionate, yeah. I think. Yeah. Honestly, I think it was more like gripping. Like I wasn't watching, like when Obama was getting elected, I wasn't like refreshing my phone for updates yeah. on if yeah. the president, you know, if who's, who's the new president, you know? So um, yeah, I think it's just that everyone's so flippin' sick of hearing from this idiot, this, this yeah. mean, like manipulative, um, childish, child <laughs> man who mm. like, I think it just, I think it really ruined everybody's idea of what it means to be like, what it takes to be like successful and powerful and the president. Cause now if that loser can be the president, like, mm-hmm. I think it just like, I think it really like for a lot of people, it just blew up what they knew to be true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also had a really critical, when you say true, like it's had a really critical and, and, 
and damaging effect on the truth, like how we understand the truth. Yeah, yeah, so cheers to that. I'm so glad it's over. Oh, you too. So uh, glad. So, so glad. Yeah. Yeah. How are you, Britt? Oh, I'm uh, I'm also doing good. I think that uh, you're absolutely right. There's been a bit of like a rebirth. I think everybody's feeling like, you know, tomorrow's a new day or today is a new day. <laughs> Sunday was a new day. Uh, anyway, whatever <laughs> the date was when it came out. Um, and uh, I also, I, I mean, another thing, I moved house. Oh, so yeah. I've got, I've got a whole bunch of new days coming up, you know? And I have to say, I I am very excited about... So I, when I grew up, I always moved a lot. I moved between houses, like, constantly. We were always moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it because it was always, like, this fresh new place. And it was always, like, a... It, it was just a really... Um, nice way to like every now and again, kind of restart and you clear out all of your old junk and you, you know, just kind of start fresh. Mm -hmm. But since living in, in Germany, I haven't moved houses in like seven, over seven years. Whoa. Which is crazy. I lived in that place for like seven years. Yeah. Mm. Which is just longer than I've lived anywhere. I know me too. That was the longest Mm. I'd ever lived in a house. So when moving to this new place, it's just been so great. Like I'm, I know people say change is good and everybody knows that, but change is so good. Uh, like it just is. Especially during a pandemic. Oh like, God, yes. Where we've just been inside all the time. Oh, Brit was man. like, should I be doing this right now? And I'm like, a hundred million percent yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, it worked out perfectly because the day we moved was the day that we went into this lockdown light. Um, <laughs> you know, so it was kind of perfect. So it's like, oh good, okay. We can just focus on getting our new house kind of set up and stuff. So it's really exciting. It's fun. It's, I mean, it's, uh, I'm going to talk more about this later, but I mean, it's completely chaotic and crazy, but that's just what it is, you know? Yeah. Congratulations. How it is. Thanks. Yeah. I saw it for the first time on Saturday. It was fantastic. Oh, we had a great time. I was like, can we have, the, can we have a New Year's party here? And everyone's like, how many households are you allowed in a New Year's party? <laughs> I know. And I'm like, if it's two, that's going to be so bad. I I'm know. not having a, I refuse to have a Zoom New Year's party. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. I love New Year's. I know. That's, That's a really the funny ultimate fresh start. It's a funny thing that like I think you're the first person I've ever met who really loves New Year's. Like a fir- the first really? friend that I've had who loves it. Yeah, everybody else I feel like is on this this wavelength of like, oh, it's so overrated. It's like there's all this buildup and then it's always a letdown and you know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's how I yeah. feel. Although I just don't put a lot of pressure on it anymore because I just don't really I'm like, it's not I don't worth put it. pressure on it either. I just like I just make sure that it's a time when I'm in a place with a a big group of my friends and I have, we have a big party and we scream and set fireworks (laughs) off and light things on fire. Oh, sure. Sure. Like terrorize neighborhoods. Yeah. 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 Jokes. We don't do any of that. We just like drink lots of champagne and then put fireworks off. I mean, and I'm like, good riddance last year. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. I'll be very curious to know whether like what New Year's will be like in Berlin this year, because usually it's just this insane night where fireworks are going off literally the entire evening and like on the streets. And like every year there are several people who get hit by fireworks and get, you know. So I have really strong opinions on this. Yeah. I think because people can't go anywhere. So every single person in the world who lives in Berlin is going to be in Berlin. And fireworks are socially distanced. So oh my God. I reckon it's going to be like 10 times what it usually is. Holy shit. I reckon shit. they're going to sell out of fireworks. I think it's going to be like, <laughs> this is really politically incorrect, but when I first moved here, I was like, whoa, it's like Aleppo. <laughs> like it was just apocalyptic. God, <laughs> it was, yeah. It really does feel that because you're also hearing them go off constantly and seeing mm. it's just like flashes. Like it's, it does feel very scary the first time you experience it. And it happens like days before New Year's as well, especially if you live in Neukern. Oh, like yeah. that's where all the teenagers are just like, I'm Ooh. just going to buy. And do you know what's really cute actually? I had a supermarket near my house when I was living near Neukern, which is a neighbourhood in Berlin. Um, and you would like, you would never see teenagers in the supermarket normally. But then during like the one week leading up to New Year's, you'd see teenagers in the supermarket buying all these fireworks and then literally just walking out the front of the supermarket 
and setting them off. Yeah. They didn't even like take them to a park or something. They were just like, wow. <laughs> we're ready. Yeah, they got too it's excited. It's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so cute. Oh my God. Well, let's see. Let's see what this year brings, you know? <sighs> new year. Can't wait. Yeah. What we- it's such a shame that 2020 was like the shame start of a new decade and it was such a dud. I know. <laughs> It was a dud on so many levels. We should just call it a scrap and start 2020 yeah. again, you know? Actually, I wouldn't be against that. Yeah. Everybody what about gets, it? Everybody Why gains not? a year. I mean, basically, we lost a year, so we deserve to, like, get that year back, Oh, you my know? God, yeah. And I can turn 36 again. Exactly. And you can turn 30. How, how old were you, 33? 32. 32. Okay. Yeah. You can turn 32 again. That would be great because we didn't even really get a birthday. We had shitty birthdays. Yeah. yeah. Well, not shitty, but just very small. It's so and funny because, like, Brittany everybody are very had, big people. Every, yeah. Everybody had bad birthdays, though. It was so funny at the beginning because mine happened right at the beginning in March. So it was right. like, you know, I was like, oh, this is so unfair. You know, like, I, I mean, I obviously, you know, I came around to it and it was fine. And, you know, trying you have to try to not to be selfish, which is hard sometimes. But, like, you know, I remember being like, oh, this is and like – if only my birthday were, you know, would have been last month or whatever. And now it's just like everyone's birthday in the entire year is just a full yeah. nightmare. It's kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. It all yeah. evens out. We all got tarnished by yeah. that brush. Yeah, exactly. Um, should we get into it? Let's get into it. Great. Work. <laughs> Look oh at me go. Oh my God, I just love it. I'm such a consummate professional. All right, Penny, what's our topic for work this week? So I thought this week we should, um, Brittany and I should both talk about the same topic and just have a bit of an open discussion. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that, Britt? I mean, I absolutely love it. I love the idea. Great. So the topic, and the the yeah, I'll get into why this came to mind, but um, the topic is putting creative work out there, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. Love it. So as you probably know, Brittany and I put quite a lot of stuff out there on the internet. We've got this podcast. We've got um, Brittany's amazing Instagram profile. Um, I do some writing. I've got my newsletter. Um, And it's kind of like basically what I wanted to talk about is the fact that it's it's a very vulnerable process actually. Um, And it does tend to open you up to a lot of – criticism and feedback and stuff that maybe you didn't really ask for. And so we thought we'd just sort of try and talk about the impact of that and how we sort of approach that process. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing because um, I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are also creative people and who are also putting their work out there. I think that's, I mean, you know, there's very few people who aren't putting work out in some way and getting other people to look at it or, you know, to consume it in some form or fashion. Um, and it's an it's a really weird thing because it's the vulnerability that it takes to put something out that you've made, put, you know, your heart and soul into and really, you know, given it your all. Um, it takes a lot of courage and it's a really, um, it's a strange feeling the first time. I remember, I remember the first time like I wrote an article and published it on Medium. And this is like eight years ago when Medium was the first thing. I remember Mm -hmm. how terrified I was putting out this like little article that was about, it wasn't even like, it was just a funny, it was almost like a comedy writing thing, you know? So it it wasn't even like some big opinion piece or something like that. But I was so nervous because, you know, it's like you have all these feelings of like, um, what are people going to think of me? Are they going to think that I that I think that I have some, you know, grandiose sense of self and like, what do I have to say? Why would I put something out? And I think for creative people, a lot of them are quite sensitive as well. And people in general are just sensitive. So mm. it is a, it's a strange feeling putting something out there. And I always have these conversations with people where they're really, really nervous about um, putting things out on social media or, you know, trying to build any kind of a profile. And I get it because I, I totally, totally get it. Um, it's a, it's a terrifying thing. And the reason is we're all scared about what other people are going to think. I totally agree. It is, it's scary, but then also I think like I've become a lot less, uh, scared about it because of the volume of stuff I put out there. So like, um, once you sort of get into the habit of being like, okay, yeah, I'm doing a podcast every week. And I think that, um, uh, and interestingly with the podcast, like 
we prepare for it, right? So we we write notes, we do a bit of research, we have a little chat with each other to see like what we're going to talk about and how we're going to how we're going to put it together. But at the same time, like it's a podcast that we don't make any money from. Like we, it's almost a hobby at this point. We really enjoy it, but um, we don't like we have full time jobs, so we don't necessarily always have like loads of time to prepare for it. Um, and I was talking to a friend the other day and he was kind of like, well, how do you prepare for the show? And I could tell he was about to say, like, you could prepare more. And I was like, <laughs> it's interesting because I listen to a lot of podcasts where I'm like, it's clear that they didn't, like, they might be talking about some important issue and it's clear that they did prepare, they did think it through, but actually if you were going to talk about literally every single angle on an issue, if you were going to cover off every part of the topic, you'd be on that podcast all day. Like lots of topics have complexity. Um, so you can't necessarily talk about everything and do it in the greatest detail. Um, and I thought that was uh, interesting because I was like, actually, um, when I used to write stuff for publications, I'd go through it and I'd be like, if I was going to comment on this article and I was an asshole, what would I say? Mm. And um, I think that's actually quite a good self-reflection process. It makes you approach all the rest of your work differently. Like I'd go through the piece and I'd be like, well, I guess they could say that this is overblown. Like maybe I'm making too much of this small topic. Yeah. I guess they could also say like uh, that there's a, there's a competing argument in this paragraph or whatever. And I'd actually like take the little notes down and I'd feed that into my story. But then if I felt like I did address it enough, then I'd be like, okay, cool. That asshole can, that imaginary asshole can shut up. So that is is really interesting that you do that because that is something that I definitely, I don't really do that. And maybe I used to, maybe I used to go through, and I think it's different obviously, because you're doing, you're writing pieces of, you know what I mean? Like you're writing maybe opinion articles or um, something with a little bit more uh, juice and depth. Um, Whereas I'll be putting things out that are quite short and snappy. So what I think like I, I don't usually consider what people will like what people could say negatively about this um, unless I feel like it's a topic where I'm like, ooh, like I'm really this is a, a sensitive issue. So then yeah. I would kind of think more about it. Um, but it, it is interesting um, how with all of the stuff people are putting out these days, like just everybody's just like throwing it out, throwing it out, throwing it out. Um it's sort of like, it feels like an invitation. Like when you put something out in the world, it does feel like there's this open invitation for people to then criticize it. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, that's just like this thing that's developed with the internet and commenting and all these things, right? It's like, you're trying to start conversations, but a lot of the time it's just negative feedback that you're getting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. I think the nature of the comment section and the it is it, the word that you used is perfect. It's an invitation to to give your opinion, yeah. um, and it's interesting because like I, I was just thinking about LinkedIn. Like I put a lot of stuff out on LinkedIn, and if I'm completely honest, like it is a personal branding and marketing exercise. I have to put something out semi-regularly because I need people to know what I'm all about. And then I'm sort of like in inverted commas, adding value to the community. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting because I'm like, I'd love to say that I'm sitting down for three or four days, like writing a LinkedIn article and like showing it to friends and getting feedback and then doing a bunch of research. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not. I'm quickly putting it together in the time that I have usually takes a couple of hours, like two hours or something. And then I just throw it up there. And and I think the internet does like create this culture of like throwaway content in a way. Yes. And that is a problem, I think. Absolutely. Um, I think that the way that we're, uh, yeah, producing and throwing things out into the world is a little haphazard, uh, yeah. to say the least. Um, mm. But it is like, so I, I launched a, my, new website like a few months ago. And when I put it out, um, I put it out on like, I, you know, I, I put a link to it on LinkedIn. And then I also did that on Instagram. And what I actually found really great is I, I said on LinkedIn and on Instagram, I'd love feedback if you have it. 
right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think makes the difference is like, if someone is like, that's where I, I would never give someone feedback. And so there's a few things, unless they ask me for it, or unless they're like a really close friend and I feel like I, you know, need to give them this and they, mm. you know, uh, would appreciate it because it's coming from a trustworthy source or whatever. Um, but yeah, so I asked for feedback and actually I was delighted at the amount of positive feedback I got and also really great like negative, constructive, yeah, constructive yeah. criticism yeah. where they were like, hey, you might want to try doing this or that or whatever. It was just so... It was really great. And I think that makes the difference when you kind of put it out there in a way where you're like, hey, I know that this this isn't perfect yet. Or I know, you know, I'd love to hear your comments. Then you seem to get less of people attacking and more people trying to help. But also, I don't you think that it's the nature of a website? Like it's so much harder to change a website and to make a website in the first place that they're yeah. probably like, I'm not going to tear this to shreds. You've clearly spent hours on it. But yeah. when, when it comes to like an Instagram post or a LinkedIn article or something like that, like they're like, oh, well, you can go back in and you can edit it in three words. You can delete that phrase or whatever. You can add more detail. That's true. Or you can add an addendum. Addendum? How do you say that word? What's anyway. That? And, and anyway, doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, like I think because people are aware of the fact that websites take a long time to build, they're very finicky. They're not easy to edit That's in true. many scenarios, like make major edits too. Yeah. That they may be a bit more careful. Okay. Yeah. You could be right about that. That's true. But yeah, absolutely right. Like I think um, sometimes, especially, you know, when you're in a social situation and someone is about to start giving you some feedback on something you're doing, like for example, this yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, The thing about podcasts is that people listen to them and they're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm the audience, right? And I'm like, yes, right. you're the audience. But just before you keep going, do you have the authority to give me this feedback. I, do you have any under, do you have, have you put a podcast together before? Have you record, like we're onto our 69th episode, Brit. We've recorded nearly 70 episodes of a podcast week to week for yeah. over a year. Like yeah. that's, congratulations to us. That's a big achievement. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I, I almost want to just like stop them and be like, sorry, uh, what, what is your profession? Do you have any, prof- like, experience about this because if not I don't think I care <laughs> that's actually that's actually such a good point if you are going to give unsolicited feedback uh, or advice mm-hmm. you definitely better be coming from a place of experience and knowledge like yeah I think that's 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 something that's really um more people should consider that you know yeah if you listen to podcasts a lot that's not exactly the same thing as, you know, although you like what you can do is say like, um, uh, you could say, oh, I really like when you guys did this and, you know, blah, 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 that. And then, you know, like I, 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 you know, I, I, I find this part of the podcast like less exciting than this or whatever. Like I'm open to that. Like I'm totally yeah, fine yeah. with that kind of stuff, but giving, give, like telling you to, you know, whatever, when giving they're, like when they're revamps. basically like, I didn't like what you said. Oh, right, 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 right. And you're just like, cool. <laughs> you're like, I don't like your personality. How's yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Also like, oh, cool. Let me step back in my time machine, unsay the thing I said. Totally. Unpublish the podcast. Anyway, sorry, yeah, rant no. over. But I think like, yeah, it, it, and it comes back to feedback. Like, why do you feel the need to give this feedback? What's it about? Is it constructive? Totally. Um, yeah, and do you have the authority to do so? But, yeah, I mean, I was listening to one of these uh, podcasts that I listened to um, by Haley Narman, and she was talking about, um, so she's like a writer on the internet, so she gets loads of this crazy feedback. Yeah. Um, and she was saying that the things that hurt most are people who aren't just trying to be an asshole who are like, oh, I hate this girl. She's so ugly. Her voice is so annoying or whatever. Yeah. Um, but the thing that hurts the most are people who mostly agree with her, actually. Like 99% they're on the same page with her and they're just like making a little point. They're just picking at something to make a point. Right. And she's just like, 
why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, why must we have this conversation? Like, you're going to forget you've read this story in a day's time. Why must you ruin my day? Right. Yeah. I know it's like the nitpicking, right? That's the thing that really sucks in creative work. Because it's like, give me the overall, like, I'll appreciate feedback on the overall vibe and whatever you're getting from it. But when you start doing that, that's when it's just, that's just, it's heartless. Yeah. No? So I guess like um, my I guess my piece of wrap up advice. Yeah. To can I up. do that? Yeah, do it. Um, is that like if you're doing any kind of creative work, I would try the imaginary asshole technique, which is yeah. uh, just sort of like stepping away from the work for an hour or so, coming back to it and being like, if I was an asshole, what would I say? Yeah. Um, and then just writing it down, maybe going through it and and deciding whether that has any relevance to your overarching goal for the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also just like you do have to block out the shits given about random people that you've never met before to some extent. Totally. And if you're going to give advice, just remember, or advice or negative feedback or constructive feedback, just remember that like, you know, it should be coming from a place of uh, expertise at the very least. Yeah. Would you walk up to someone on the street and say it to their face? Right. In that case, you probably shouldn't say it. That's a really, <laughs> that's exactly the test you want to do. Very good. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Culture, here we are. Why don't you lead us in, Britt? I'd absolutely love to. Um, Thanks. So this is maybe not going to be um, a very earth-shattering culture topic, but Can't wait. Um, I read this article <laughs> on the BBC uh, which was um, just this man talking about why Trump lost. Uh, so I think the article was literally called Why Trump Lost. Uh, so, I, uh, so I was curious about this because I, you know, I mean, I'm like, of course Trump lost, but also he had- He did get a lot of votes. He got so, so he actually got the second, so Biden got the most votes ever cast for any president ever, but Trump got the second most. So it's it's kind of wild. Yeah. So um, I'm very curious about that. Like wh- how and why and what is going on there, right? So reading this article, you know, he said a few things. One of the things that he said that I thought were, was really poignant, but also isn't new, um, according to a few people that I've talked to about the article, is of course that Trump's followers or Trump's supporters is what they call them in politics. Trump's supporters are much like, almost identical to a cult leader's following. Yeah. Right? Like, this is something that, you know, is is not news. Everybody knows that. But I thought that's super interesting. Like, um, I wonder, like, what are the um, cult, like, what are a cult leader's traits? Like, what are the typical traits of a cult leader? Which, by the way, maybe a lot of you guys already know this, but I found this really interesting because every, I found a really interesting article and um, I just thought like every single one of these traits, which there's only four on this in this article, mm. are like a massive check mark for Trump and every cult leader, yeah. right? Yeah. So I just thought I would go through them really quickly because I thought this is- uh, Yeah, no, this is great. Yeah, so the first one is they're narcissistic. <laughs> yes. So it's like, ba, ba, ba. Uh, I think I'll give three check marks to that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, they're narcissistic, obviously. They're charismatic. And mm-hmm. this is like, this is exactly like, th- although a lot of people would say that Trump is, you know, obviously he's a horrible person and everything. He has charisma. He does. Oh, 100%. And it's like, it's horrible. I hate even saying that out loud, but like, he just is. He's, it's, you know, it's a, and, and this article is really interesting because it's like this, this actually could just be described. Um, so it could be just, uh, it could describe to the leader's way of speaking, dressing, or treating their followers, whatever it is, there's a magnetism to it. Mm. That's hard to resist. So they have oh, that yeah. aura of being special. Um, people kind of attribute that to them, that they're like a special person, you know? Yeah. I always think I'm always like, what is charisma? But then I'm like, I think it's just when a person who has charisma speaks, people pay attention or where they do something that people pay attention. Oh, that's good. I like that uh, description of it. But yeah, can keep going. What's number three? Um, Number three is they're on, they are unpredictable. Okay. So And that's like, that's also so huge. I was just reading this and I was like, oh my God, this is literally describing Trump. So um, 
so along with their magnetic personal magnetic personality and overall confidence, occult leaders' erratic behavior allows them to maintain that aforementioned power imbalance. So yeah. um, the leader will limit how often they actually appear before the following, which of course Trump doesn't do, but you know, he's <laughs> <laughs> then when they do show up, they'll act with total duplicity. So you don't know if he's going to come in, like what you never know what he's going to say or yeah. do, right? Yeah. And it's that's, kind of fostering an environment of chaos in a way. Yes. Yes, mm. exactly. So that's 100%. And then this is the fourth one. Uh, they have a turn on, uh, which means like, you know, they're, they've established a movement um, and they've gotten this taste of power. And there's basically, there's a motivating force behind their actions. So whether it be status, money, sex, or whatever, all three of those things. I see. Um, so there's that like that very egotistical motivator uh, behind what they're doing. So I mean, yeah, this, th- what's funny is this article is on refinery 29, which is like hilarious. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a fashion, like it's blog like a lifestyle, lifestyle kind of, yeah. but I thought it was so good. Like I read it. It's like a short article. We'll put, we'll link it in the show notes, but it was really interesting because I literally thought I was reading a description of who Trump is and his main four personality traits. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, like, I feel like it some one part of me is like we should break down everything Trump's done from like a marketing and branding and and persona perspective mm-hmm. and see what we can use from that and then I'm like but we don't want to use any of those tactics they're bad things yeah. like to lie to people to manipulate them to create chaos yeah to um, undermine the truth like <laughs> um, it's not something but I did um, a friend of mine used to be part of a church called Hillsong which is um, Justin Bieber's a member. Like it's a big culty what? church. Justin Bieber's a member? Oh my God. How do you not know this? Like I he's a heavy, that. him and Hayley Bieber bonded over their love of God. What? No offense to Christians, but that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, listen, I wish I was a Christian, but I'm just way too cynical. Yeah. Um, anyway, side note. So Hillsong um, are this, it originated in Australia, fun fact. It's an Australian export. Thanks. uh, No problem, everyone. Um, And my friend wrote a really great story on what Hillsong does in terms of building community and how Mm. brands can learn from building community the way that Hillsong do. Um, And it was really, really clever. Um, And I think a lot of cults actually have a few sort of little bits and pieces that you can learn from because at the end of the day, the reason cults work and the reason Donald Trump works is because people are desperate for connection and community and leadership. Yes. Um, I don't think... I really, really hate dismissing Trump voters as stupid, racist idiots. Like I think that's a completely unhelpful thing. But what we do need to look at is they have a value system that's different to ours and, you know, like they they want a community. They want to be a part of something that they feel is big and Trumpy and important and that's not necessarily wrong. When you, when you watch these... Um cult documentaries, right, about cult leaders, which are, you know, just were very popular over the last couple of years. Um, You know, you feel the same way about the followers of those cult leaders, right? You're like, how, I don't understand, like, how could you not see that this person is a complete egomaniac freak? You know, like what's happening here? I I don't get it. Um, But that's exactly what a cult does. I mean, we can't also dismiss the fact that, you know, Trump uh, followers slash supporters are also, you know, a little bit, I don't want to use the term like brainwashed or, you know, but they're a little bit under a spell of some kind. Like they just are. So you can't say like, you can't, yeah, exactly. Like you said, you can't call them all idiots and morons or whatever. They're actually humans and, and all humans can be put under that similar sort of spell if they're in that, at that place where they're looking for that connection, you know? Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. Good job, Britt. Oh, thanks. Well, I hope that that was interesting because I found it fascinating. We can talk, talk about cults all day. It's so interesting. I know. It's such fascinating. a fascinating topic. Yeah. What do you have going on in culture? Culture? <laughs> um, 
I watched a Werner Herzog movie last night. He's a German film director. It's called Into Into the Inferno and it's on Netflix, I think. Um, And it's all about volcanoes around the world. So he goes to all these volcanoes um, and explores the uh, cultural significance of these volcanoes. It's a really cool movie. Um, You get to see a lot of liquid hot magma. Um, which is very, very satisfying to see that, isn't it? It's so satisfying. It's like there's something very compelling about it and I'd love to know what the psychology is around that, like just staring. Like every time he cut away from the lava, I was like, oh, like I was was like, no, I was watching (laughs) that. I wanted to see what happened. It was very weird. I was very fascinated by that. It must have been kind of, it must be kind of a, like a trance thing. I think you know? it is. Like I think there's something primal in our brains that's like look at that. Uh, maybe maybe it's a hypnotic thing because in a lot of dangerous situations people like you, you know the phrase deer in the headlights? Mm-hmm. The deer will just lock on the object that's coming right towards them. Yeah. Um, and one of the interesting things in the movie was like there were all these volcanologists and they were standing like on the edge of the volcano Um, and they were giving the film director like a lesson in how to cope if um, what to do if there's an explosion. And they're like, the worst thing that you can do is turn around and run. The best thing that you can do is look directly at the lava. It's going to throw up bombs. So the, the lava actually like explodes into the sky. It'll throw up bombs and you have to look for the bombs and step out of the way basically, because they're just going to be coming down all the time. Um, Yeah, so it was fascinating. Um, I really love Werner Herzog as a director. He he does this sort of like um, handheld style of cinematography, which isn't for everyone, but also he's got a famously like excellent way of speaking. He's got this like very slow voice where he explains things and he he just makes everything sound more profound. Yeah. Um his other films that I've seen are Into the Abyss, which is so sad. I probably don't recommend it because it's so depressing. Mm-hmm. But um it's about people on death row in the US. And then Grizzly Man, which is about this guy who uh I don't know if you've heard of this, but this guy who like lived with bears essentially in Canada right. or the yes, northern. Yes, I've heard about this. You would know this one. Yeah. And then they they found the footage, like the audio footage of him finally being eaten by a grizzly bear. Oh. And I was I remember watching it and so like his wife, um, Werner Herzog gave the footage, the audio clip to his wife and he was like, I don't think you should listen to this because it is very bad. And she was just like, okay, I, I'm going to take that lead. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. And I like, you know, that sick part of yourself where you're like, I'm going to look that up on the internet and then everyone around is like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Stop you that get, now. Yeah. Anyway, That's so funny. I thought I'd recommend Old Verna. Love that. Um, and I'll put a really funny letter in the show notes. So basically Werner Herzog wrote a letter to his maid and it was somehow became, became public um, and it's very funny. So okay. I'm going to put that in the show notes. <laughs> Ooh, I'd love to read that. That sounds great. Lifestyle. Lifestyle. All right, Penny, you take it away at the lifestyle. Um, okay, I have a question for you, Britt. Oof, I'm excited. What do you want to know? On the spot. So this doesn't actually apply to me at this point in time because my boyfriend doesn't make art. Mm. But let's say you start dating someone and you don't like their art. What do you do? <laughs> so you, as in you don't like the art that they make. Correct. Yeah. Oof. Like, or their writing or something like that. What do you do? I, um, okay, this is a, this will be, this would be a big, so it will depend. So if they're, if they're, art is like who they are, you know, like Mm. as in if they're art, if they are an artist by trade and that's how they make their money and and everything's kind of focused around that. And I really, really don't like it or can't appreciate it or whatever. I don't think I could be with this person. Oh, that's <laughs> to be how honest. I feel. Yeah. yeah. Like I just, I think there's gonna there's gonna be a disconnect there somewhere along the line. Something's not matching up, you know, it just I don't think so. 
So if uh, I was thinking about this in great detail, because I was like, I, so for a little while I dated a guy who writes. Mm -hmm. And so right away, like on the second date, I was like, I'm going to need to see some of your work. (laughs) Honestly, like, because I was like, I do not want to get into a relationship with someone who is showing me their work and it's bad and I hate it and I think it's embarrassing. Yeah. And I have to like (laughs) make something up. So right away I was like, show me your work. And then he showed it to me and it was really good. Yeah. And I was like, you're extremely talented, probably more talented than me. And therefore I also can't date you. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> you're cast Jokes. out. Yeah. Jokes. I didn't really, I didn't really do that, but it was really good. And I was like, okay, we can continue. That, um, is, that is really funny. I think that that's also, um, I think it's important that, I mean, maybe, maybe not necessarily that you like really love like, let's say you are dating a painter, but maybe you're like, oh, that's not really my, like, I don't want to hang that in my house, but I really appreciate it. And I can yeah. see that they're brilliant. You can see that it's good. Yes. That's At least different. it has the bones of something good. Yes, totally. And yeah. then you can, I think you can, because you can appreciate it. I think you can grow a little bit of a, you know, you can grow to like it a little bit. Maybe not that you're like hanging these paintings up in your house everywhere, but you can, you know, you can grow to be, to, to really like, um, Yeah to love that person and their art as a yeah. thing, you know? Um, and then if, if I'm, if I'm dating someone and if I, you know, and they, uh, they're like, they just do art on the side or something, or it's like a little passion project hobby thing, then I don't think it matters very much. It doesn't matter. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Cause I was thinking like, let's say just completely hypothetically, like I start dating a guy and he is like making paintings and selling them. And that's his main source of income and he's going pretty well. Mm -hmm. And let's say I look at the paintings and I'm like, I truly hate these. (laughs) But the fact that you're selling them and you're making a living means that they must have something good about them. And also you're established, so you've made it work. So those, like the fact that if someone's actually putting creative work out there, making it happen, making a living, then that's actually like very impressive. Yeah. Um, and kudos to them. And if I hate the art, well, I'm just going to hope that it doesn't have to live in my household. Exactly. Just hope that the, all the paintings get sold and there's none left for us. Is it a common thing for like a painter to have his own art hanging in his house? His I or her house? And actually, this is a really interesting. Seems I, weird. I hope I, I hope I haven't talked about this on the podcast before, but I was thinking that painting is actually, painting and sculpture must be a really sad form of creativity because you actually have to sell the paintings and then they're gone you from your life. Yeah. And if you're not famous and your stuff isn't in like public galleries and stuff, you're never going to see your painting again that mm-hmm. you made. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I write, I can look at my work all the time. It's right here on my laptop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if you make music, you've got the recording Whereas paintings, they're gone. Isn't that sad? Yeah, totally. I've talked to uh, an artist friend of mine about this before. And yeah, he basically said it's really, it's like, it is a bit heartbreaking every time you give a piece away, you know, because it's, Mm. you're giving away a piece of yourself as well, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be, yeah, you wouldn't want anyone to sort of bargain you down. You'd be like, are you serious? Yeah, exactly. I'd rather keep it in my... Yeah, and he anyway. also said it's really important to him, like, who buys his art. So he's course, not just yeah. selling it to willy-nilly anybody, you know, mm, Bill next door. Yeah, it's like yeah. I want it to have a good home and I want to like the person who's going to be appreciating my art for the next whatever, how many years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I did a – I worked with a client last year who uh, – they, they're basically art people and they launched an, a really cool app um, – And I learned so much about art during that time because I'm not really like, I don't really understand the art world. And it was so interesting because they basically said like, at the moment, um, if you're like a really famous artist, who buys your work is everything. Yeah. So the last thing they want, like let's say you're Damien Hirst, who's I think the most wealthy living artist. Um, if a Russian oligarch who has no taste and they have like a pet lion or whatever <laughs> wants to buy your p- picture for a billion dollars, you wouldn't sell it to him because then the rest of your work would be instantly worth nothing. Yeah. So like, um, and we interviewed this guy who is a legit like world famous art collector. Um, he was a f- total character. He wore a cravat. Like, let's just put it that wow. way. Wow. Um, 
he's a world famous art collector. He's worth lots and lots of money. And he, one of my favorite quotes from him was, uh, even for me, sometimes I have to drop my pants to get a price on a painting. <laughs> like to just to yeah. find out what the price is. Yeah. Because yeah. they're so cagey about who they sell to. So I, I find that really interesting, like market wise, like the buyer and the seller are kind of working against each other in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. To sum up, you better like your boyfriend's art. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's going on in your lifestyle, Brit? <laughs> As you know, I mentioned in our first little uh, our intro that I moved house, and I I have some some tips for people who are moving or who are thinking about moving. First of all, I highly recommend it if you're thinking you could use a little move, a shake up, a new neighborhood, for instance. I say, and you're and you know you're in a position that you can do that. I would say definitely go for it because it's very refreshing. Like it's like it's like taking like a really cold shower, you know, on a hot day and you're just like, yeah, you've got like a new zest for life. Um, But one thing that I really highly recommend, which I was very adamant about doing is like clearing out all your stuff. Like it's amazing. Even after only, I mean, it is a long time, seven years, but like the amount of stuff that you accumulate, it's insane. Mm. And actually one of the coolest things about Berlin is uh, one of the cool, maybe this isn't the coolest thing about Berlin, but what you can do is you put things like, cause I, I had a lot of stuff that was like good quality things, but I just don't use them or, you know, whatever. So you put them in a box and you put a little note that says these items are for free and you put it on the street and people come and they take all your stuff. And I'll tell you, Penny, it was like such a riveting time in my life when we were doing that, because we would put up the box out and we'd go for a coffee and we'd come back and like, see what was taken. And I'm telling you in an hour, everything is taken. Like, can I just celebrate? I'm glad that that works really nicely in your neighborhood. (laughs) In my neighborhood, it's like people literally don't even put a box there. They just throw old shitty clothes on the ground. That's a nightmare. And then people pick them up carry them half a meter away and then decide they don't want them anymore and they just drop them. So I don't agree stri- with that. Yeah. Also because I think my street is a very high turnover area. Oh, okay. Like people don't right. live there for a long time. So literally any day of the week, there's going to be like just trash strewn everywhere. So what I don't believe in is putting things out on the street that are trash, right? Like think about whether like I remember seeing, you see sometimes these boxes of things and there's like, a broke a, a mug broken in half and like you know all these things like this is called trash and it should not be given away for free it should be thrown in the trash like exactly you I put off. post-it notes on my things and I'm like perfectly good tracksuit pants washed today yeah nice like I, and I'm That's just good. like I just want you to know that this I, is perfectly good it was it's really fun though like I also kind of, I would like spy on people as well from my balcony to see like who's going to take what. Because I put books out there, you know, and I'm like, I want to like shout down, that's a really good book. You want to be like, I wonder who took 50 shades of gray. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) Their life is about to change. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, so clear out. Also, if you're able to, this was one of the greatest things about the move that we did was we had a few, we had a few days to do the move. So we didn't have the one day where you have to be out and then you, you know, you got the keys and you blah, blah, blah. So we actually had a few days where we had both apartments, which I know that's super luxurious, but if you can somehow arrange that, even just like two or three days, it makes such a massive difference. Like not having to move everything on one day is just, it was great. And then also, oh, sorry, sorry, go on. No, no. I was just going to say with the clearing out, um, estimate way more time than you think you're going to need because like Mm -hmm. the amount of times I've like pulled out all the shoe boxes out from under my bed and I'm like, oh my God, look at this photo of yeah. Brittany from 2020. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you get all sentimental and then you're trying to organize it because I feel like there's so much stuff you're like, what do I do with this? Because I don't want to, like, I have this mini stapler, right? This is a perfect <laughs> example. I use this mini stapler like once every six months, but then if I can't find it, I'm like, God damn, I could really use that stapler right now. My mini stapler. That's hilarious. Yeah, Jakob gave it to me. Yeah, to I know. I knew exactly where you shower. got it from. I was like, oh my God, that is hilarious. It's like, yeah. what do you do all these, with this stuff that's like very low frequency usage? Or maybe never usage. Do you throw it away? Yeah, anyway, sorry. That's the process <laughs> where you're like, I don't know what to, yeah. And the last piece, so the last piece of advice for moving that I have is to embrace 
the chaos because it's just going to be chaotic. It just will. There's no way around it. When you move into a new house, you have boxes everywhere, your stuffs, you can't find things. You just need to be aware of that and be okay with it. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, at this point right now, I'm like, I'm like, okay, we've been like, we're not quite a week into the new place. And I'm like, okay, like I'm getting sick of like our bedroom looking like that and the bathroom looking, you know, and I'm like, ah, I'm going crazy. And then I'm like, no, embrace the, you know, like you just have to, because it's way too much. It's too crazy. If you have a job and, you know, and you still want to uh, be, be like a normal person, you need to live in a bit of chaos for a little while. Yeah. Um, I've always tried to do a one room at the time technique. So it's like bedroom is first because you need some Zen in your sleeping area. So I'm like, I need to get my bedroom organized at the expense of other rooms. Like that might mean moving boxes into other rooms so that my bedroom is clear, but I just need one space that has a bit of Zen so that I can escape there for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, my house is all just one huge room. So one big room. Well, big room with no doors. <laughs> yeah. Penny's God just frolicking it. around. Just <laughs> frolicking. Oh, I'm so anyway, happy about so, your new place, Brie. Yes, I'm really happy about it too. And I'm going to try to get more stuff set up. So next week, maybe I'll have an update. But it's it's pretty chaotic over here right Great now. Great tips. Thanks. Oh, and what what about your last tip, which is to make sure Jamie is helping with the move. Oh my God. So I have this, this is friend. So funny. Oh gosh. Well, we have this friend and uh, she is, she's moved a lot and she's also helped people move a lot. So we, like she offered to help us move and I was like, yes, please. And she came over, but I actually didn't realize what a huge help she was going to be because she literally like single-handedly organized and like basically played a massive game of, uh, Tetris, Tetris yeah. with our friggin' moving truck. Um, she like organized the whole thing. She's also just like freakishly strong. She's so small, but so strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like weird. She's also like just a major alpha female. Like yeah. she's like, all right, what's going to happen here is A, B, C, X, Y, Z. And 100%. She's like got her 100%. little tiny muscles that can lift a lot. Yeah. It's very funny. It was quite funny because she was there for about 15 minutes and, and there were like a couple of guys helping as well. And it was like, it was very clear, like the, the, the power shift <laughs> happened so fast. It was like, and now Jamie's in charge of the entire yeah. operation. It was yeah. really great. Yeah, I loved it. And I wasn't there because I thought I had COVID. That's okay, true, but you, but you, did, but <laughs> but you didn't. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Oh, God, oh, right? That. It's yeah. like, do you have a cold? Do you have the flu? Do you have COVID? It's all a big guessing game. It's all on the table. I'll tell you. Craziness. Well, thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the tips, Wit. Oh, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for uh, just having this nice morning recording with me. Yeah, it's a really interesting way to start the week. I think I like it. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm uh, the jury's out on my side whether I like this or more of an evening pod right. record. Okay. But yeah, I'll let I you can know. Tell you're like I don't know if I like this at all. I, I prefer a cocktail. <laughs> exactly. With my recording. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Well, thanks everybody. Uh, and don't be a dick. Yes. <laughs> don't do that. Bye. Okay. Bye. Oh, lovely. Okay.